let me say that I have too many freaky things happen long before I knew anything about glitches. I'm talking like 40 years ago. But as a kid, memories and events are perceived in a way far different than the adult mind. I'm not saying that they're false or unimportant, just saying whenever you get older you learn and gain experience. Well, some do. I've experienced so many glitches within the last ten years that it seems to be gaining momentum. I think once your eyes are open and you experience something like this, you have two choices. Turn a blind eye, ignore it, and find any way to dismiss it, or the other option, which is to embrace it and strap in. You need to be prepared because you may not get a second chance to return to that ignorant bliss of denial. This was my way of seeing it until recently. It seems if you keep going down the rabbit hole, it can affect others close to you. But it seems that others can be dragged down into that rabbit hole with you. Like, for instance, in the one glitch where my friend who I was on FaceTime with was a witness. Now... When I was younger, another friend was directly involved. They chose to opt out. Although one doesn't deny what happened, he totally refuses to talk about it. The other admits to it, and simply doesn't care or think about it. Now comes my closest friend who passively is involved with many of my glitches, although she wasn't directly involved nor a witness. They took place in close proximity. At the very least, she is the first one I tell after I do experience something. That is, unless I experience something at her house. Then I don't usually say anything. Because it freaks her out. She's the kind of person who opts out of this stuff. She knows it's a thing that some people believe, but doesn't know if it's real, psychological, spiritual, or just... Twilight Zone stuff. Either way, unless she is directly involved in an eyewitness, she's pretty much my Agent Scully. Now to the glitch. I've been staying over at my friend's house while my house is being renovated. I'm a night owl on most nights. I'm up until 2.30 or 3am, sculpting, drawing, just making something. It's my compulsion and my stress reliever. I would have to say spending time with my goddaughter is number one on my list of things that brings me peace. The second is my quiet time doing my sculpting while listening to narrated stories on YouTube. Also, everything and all things to expand my mind. Quantum physics, cosmology, history, and so on. Well... Just this week, I was doing a late-night project. I was listening to YouTube on my phone, and it just goes dead. Totally shuts off. It wasn't full battery, it was on around 30% when I last checked the time at 1.53 or 1.56am. It shouldn't have died minutes later as it did. It has that warning chime of low battery... It's at like 15% and then at 3%, and neither one went off. Within one, maybe two minutes after my phone died, there was a really bright flash of light behind me. I was in a well-lit room, and it was bright enough to make me jump and squint my eyes. I turned around really quickly, and nothing was there. The flash of light was so close to the back of my head, it was as if someone took a picture with the flash on while holding the camera an inch from the back of my head. I don't jump to wild assumptions, regardless of what some assume. I went against what I experienced and saw, and I just went to the logical conclusion. It came from outside a window, a few feet behind me, but I can actually debunk this idea. The window was about 95% closed with the shade totally closed and a big box fan. In front of the fan, there are a bunch of sculptors. 
To add to that, I was on the second floor. A car's headlight can't reach that high and be that bright. In order for light to penetrate a closed window through a closed shade and a box fan, and sculptures, and still be that bright is impossible. The other possibility is that it was a neurological or optical illusion. Okay, I thought. I'll go with that. Well, that explanation ended when my friend told me what happened at around 2.10 or 2.15 in the next room that same night, minutes after that flash. Now, bear in mind, I didn't tell her about the flash because of my standing rule that I mentioned earlier. Don't tell her stuff that happened in her house that will freak her out. But this is what she told me. She was up, on her phone, and talking to a family member that was going through an emotional trauma. My friend was sitting up in bed with her five-year-old daughter next to her sleeping. My friend then saw two orbs floating around the room, a few feet from the foot of the bed. Now, I asked direct questions, so I have a detailed description of the event. My friend saw them, and did what she does in a situation like that. She ignored them, acted like she didn't see them. She said she didn't react, didn't do anything besides talk on the phone. She said she thought she was seeing things, or that it was all in her head. But then she heard her daughter ask mommy, what's that? My goddaughter woke up and saw it as well. My friend said, just ignore it and go back to sleep. They floated around for a few minutes and then disappeared in the blink of an eye. The description, there was two of them and they were independent of any surface, so they weren't reflections or light being cast from anywhere, onto anything. They were typical colors of light, white light. They were not super bright, but in a dark room, they clearly emitted their own independent light source. They were the size of a golf ball, they didn't give off static energy, and they did give off a sense of self-awareness. It was like watching them was almost like watching living beings. I asked what they were doing, and they were wandering around like when two people go somewhere new. At times, they moved along with each other, and then one would wander off a little ways, and then come back by the other one. That is how she told me. It's like when we go to the store, you know, we walked together having a conversation, and then one of us walks off to look at something. While writing this, that same friend called with her daughter close by. So, I asked for clarification on some things that I mentioned earlier. My friend told her daughter not to look at the orbs after she asked what they were, but she didn't listen and kept looking at them anyway. She said they were the size of her squishy light-up ball toys, so more the size of a golf ball except slightly bigger. I know exactly what she meant. My friend didn't see them disappear because she forced herself not to look at them. Her daughter saw them disappear. She described it as a, a click or a blip and goodbye. I asked if they floated away in a particular direction, and she said no, they just went away. So, they disappeared like shutting off a light. They confirmed that it gave off a weird energy... A feeling, not like static electricity. The feeling lingered even after they disappeared from sight. I did a full investigation of the room, even though they said they were free-floating and independent, still checking for light sources, reflections, all of that. But nothing. I asked if it was possible that it was something like a laser or a light from outside, but no. The windows were closed... Shades were down with heavy blackout curtains in front. These curtains will even block out bright sunlight. Even with that, my friend said that her first reaction was to hit or shake the curtain behind her, 
to check to see if there was a light leak that was the source of the orbs. It didn't affect the movement or light emission or the orbs at all. To preempt some questions, no, there's never been any paranormal activity or ghosts or otherwise witnessed by them in the almost ten years they've lived there. No, they don't believe or think about the paranormal. They totally don't believe in aliens. I can rule out ball lightning because there wasn't any static electricity in the air. And my friend is really sensitive to electrical fields, but she didn't feel anything like that. No, they weren't insects because they were translucent and had a well-defined shape, not fuzzy or blurry, and they made no sounds. I will answer any serious questions about this. I'll ask them an update if necessary and reply directly. I personally never believed in orbs, because they almost are never seen with the naked eye. They only appear on videos or in still photographs, and can typically be dismissed as light reflections off of dust. The only people that I have heard that claimed they saw them with their actual eyes were on ghost hunting shows, and they've been proven untrustworthy or ignorantly biased. But my friend that I have known for, like, more than 30 years, we're so close that she named her daughter after me, and I have a common traditional male name. Yeah, we're close, and she's a non-believer in everything paranormal. It holds a level of credibility that I can't refute, and she had a witness sharing the event. When it all adds up, I can't say it didn't happen. What happened I can only speculate and classify as a glitch. And I do have a wild speculation. What if I caused the orbs? That flash of light was so intense that came from behind me, what if it came from me? If we're in a simulation, wouldn't people like me who repeatedly have big glitches call attention to our existence? What then? Cosmic tech support? A reset or a reprogramming? What if we aren't in a simulation? Do people like me act like magnets or portals? There's no other way of saying this next part without sounding like I have a god complex or the Truman Syndrome. And yes, there actually is a disorder based off the Truman Show. Look it up. But throughout history, there are stories of people with halos. I'm not saying I'm an angel because I don't believe in them, but what if they are based on people who are more like me than I understand? That light that came from the back of my head only seemed to have come from the back of my head. Maybe somewhere in my pot of goo, I have a data leak from the port in the back of my head. I laugh at this concept. Okay, I need a little break from this. As I said, the halo angel part, I saw something at the corner of my eye run behind me, and that was twice in five minutes, and I'm at work alone because it's the holiday and everyone is off except me. I know this sounds paranoid, but I think I'm no longer anonymous. Sorry, I need to distract from this for a while. So, uh, how about that Spider-Man movie, huh? This happened back in the late 70s, long before The Matrix was conceived of, or the Wachowski brothers had hit puberty even, so my friends and I just chalked it up as weird. To set the scene, disco was at its height, and my friends and I were just of legal age to go nightclubbing and drinking, not that we'd not done it illegally before then. <laughs> and Saturday nights consisted generally of a group of us meeting up at our local neighborhood pub in the suburbs, and then heading to the city center to whichever nightclub got the majority vote that night. 
me being a bit older than my mates, I was the only one at the time that had a driving license, so it usually fell to me to be the transport for the group. Okay? My car wasn't the latest thing, about 12 years old at the time, but it got us where we wanted to go, for the most part. On the night that this event happened, there was myself and my two longtime best friends, plus the girlfriend of one of them. We decided to go to an out of the way club that was situated in the back streets of the business section of the city center. Law offices, insurance companies, banking, etc. So, on a Saturday night, the streets were relatively clear, making for easy on-street parking. The few other cars parked around probably belonged to other late-night clubbers like ourselves. This section of town is laid out like this, long, downhill-sloping main streets that are paralleled to each other, with shorter side streets linking them, block by block, down the entirety of their lengths. It was typical of that part of the old center, Birmingham, UK, and the mostly Victorian-era multi-story buildings. So, we all arrive, and I park the car in a space about halfway down the side street, which was literally around the corner from that evening's chosen club. Great, not too far to walk. We all agreed. And because of that, we all left our coats and that girlfriend's overnight bag on the back seat. Being a car from the 60s, there was no such thing as central locking, and car alarms were custom specialty items back then, so I had to go around locking three of the four doors from the inside, and then my driver's side door with the key, and then checking all the handles outside. Car crime wasn't really bad in those days, but it still happened, so I always had a mind for security. Plus, I was carrying my work toolbox and power tools in the boot, so that was firmly locked as well. That done, we all walked around the corner, left and up the slight gradient past two or three office frontages, and left again into the front door of the club. After a great night with me disco dancing most of the night with any girl that was keen, or even on my own, Hey, it was the 70s. The club was beginning to turn out. Slow dance tracks from the DJ heralded the end of the fun, and we all gathered to leave. As usual for those days, having spent the night frantically dancing, I had sweated out the little alcohol I'd consumed, and was easily safe to chauffeur my pals home. We left via the main, and only, door, and as a group, turning right and down the slope to the next corner to where we knew we had left the car. My heart sank when I turned that corner, though. The street was completely empty. Oh, crap, and other choice words. We all said mostly the same thing at the same time. The car's been stolen. It had been right there, at the curb, facing the corner that we had just come around. There was a lot of, what do we do nows, and me worrying that not only my car, but all of my tools were gone. What made it worse? Being the young bucks that we were, we'd blown through most of our meager funds during the night out, and probably couldn't even scrounge up the bus fare home between us. First things first... After much head-scratching, we all agreed that it was best to report the theft as quickly as possible. It was the days before mass communication, but there might be an outside chance that the car could be spotted by a patrol car. Panda cars, they were all called back then, and not many of them compared to today. While it was still being driven, and this meant a hike to the nearest police station. Remember, no mobile phones back then which was on the other side of the city center. Quicker and easier than finding a call box or payphone in this part of town, 
and at that time of night. So, we all set off dejectedly in that direction, which meant continuing along the short side street that we were on to the next parallel main street, and up that long hill to the major road that joined all the main streets together at their top ends. Then, it would be a diagonal cut across the city center proper to the police station by the law courts. There was little conversations, but mostly it consisted of, are you sure you locked it? Yes, I'm bloody sure I locked it, I'm not stupid. Etc. And then wishing the worst curses on whoever had ruined our Saturday night. We had made our way on to and part way up the next main block, passing another side street to our left. Then, during that next block, we decided to zigzag up the streets to make our route a little shorter and roughly diagonal in the direction that we needed to go. By this time, the chill 2am air had sobered up even my two friends and the girlfriend, and we were just stomping along to get the thing over with as quickly as possible. As we simultaneously rounded the left corner to the next short side street, we came to a dead stop. There was my car, parked neatly at the curb, in a parking meter space and not looking at all abandoned or trashed, as if by joyriders. I know what that looks like, having been the victim to a subsequent car theft. It was all as we'd left it, fully locked, and with all of our belongings as they had been. Nothing had been rifled through, and thankfully all of my tools were still in the boot. Not so much as a hair had been touched, it appeared. We all looked at each other, double-taking and glancing back all along our route, in kind of a what-the sort of way. But it didn't take us long to rally ourselves, put on our warm coats, and get underway, merely thankful that we didn't have to continue the grim march to the police station. We talked about it for about the next hour or so, and all the way home as I made the rounds to their individual houses, but we could not come up with a logical explanation. A 60s car was fairly sparse in terms of ignition security, but it still would have been a fairly skilled task to hotwire it, and it would have left some evidence of tampering, which was not the case. Likewise, the doors, not as difficult as today's cars to be sure, but still requiring some small skill or keys to overcome the locks. And then, why would someone steal the car only to abandon it after a couple of blocks? Or leave the valuables untouched? We all knew where we had originally left it. There was no dispute about that, nor individual false memories forced on the others. We all headed towards that side street as we'd come out of the club, after all. We couldn't all have been that mistaken. And I have always known where I last left my wheels. I couldn't afford to be without them for my job. Bear in mind, we found the car one main street and two side streets away, uphill. So it didn't roll there by itself, nor could it be merely pushed there. I always left the stick shift in gear in case the handbrake failed, a sensible precaution on old cars which made it nigh on impossible to budge, as well as the fact that it would have needed to have been steered around the corners, necessitating access to the inside. Added to that, the car was facing in the opposite direction from how we had left it when going around the corner to the club. If a thief had taken it, they were a very neat and tidy person leaving it exactly in a meter parking space, much as I would have done had it been me that put it there. Well, we never did report the incident to the police, and although we discussed it a few times in the following years, we never came up with a satisfactory explanation, other than the OCD thief theory. But I guess that now I've found out about glitches in the Matrix, I can finally file this one away as solved. We all stepped out of that nightclub, 
into a slightly different version of the Matrix. Simple as that. My boyfriend, Dan, and I genuinely used to love taking long, almost impromptu road trips to places that we've never been. Typically, in the spring and fall, around our birthday months, mine's in April, his is October, we would randomly decide on where to go, load up the car, and just head out onto the road. Of course, he would have to schedule the time off, and I would have to make sure my clients knew that I would be out for a few days. So, they weren't 100% impromptu, there was always some planning and scheduling, but we would pretty much randomly choose our destination the week of the trips. He and I have been together for close to 10 years now, and we did this every year from the fifth year we were together all the way to 2019. When we had the money and the time, we would just go. On the particular trip back in early 2019 that this whole glitch happened, we had actually planned to take a long drive from our home in Madison Heights, Michigan, all the way out to a place called Bryce Canyon National Park in southern Utah. This trip was a particularly long one. It was about a 28-hour drive, so we had planned on taking a little more than a week off, and we were going to stop around the halfway mark, somewhere between the southwestern tip of Nebraska and the top corner of Colorado. If you've never driven that little section of this country, there really isn't much there between North Platte and Sterling. But it's still beautiful, at least to me. I remember this whole plan because I recall how much we had actually planned out on this specific trip. It was a bit out of character for us to do so much plotting along the way, but we felt it was necessary due to the length of the drive. And while some people may say that we could have just gone straight through if one of us slept and the other one drove, the problem with that is that I actually don't have a license due to a medical issue that I'm not going to get into here. But he obviously knew this and he was totally fine with driving and stopping about midway. Plus, it gave us more time to take it all in, which isn't that the point of road trips anyways? Back to it. The plan, as stated, was to leave our home at 5 in the morning. We would drive all the way out to the tiny tourist town of Ogallala, Nebraska, and spend the night there. This would be about 16 hours, and then the remainder of the trip from Ogallala to Bryce Canyon in the morning, which was only about 11 hours. Splitting it with the majority in the first half meant that we could go a bit slower on the trip throughout literally all of Colorado, if necessary, and we would still get there at a good time to check in to the hotel. We followed this plan as we had basically written it. We left home on time, got out to Ogallala, stayed there overnight, and then planned to head out in the morning. While day one was perfect, it was day two where things kind of went awry. We both woke up in a slight bit of a panic, because when we opened our eyes, we noticed it was already sunny out. Our plan was to head out around 5 in the morning and get there at 5 to 6 in the evening. But when we checked the clock, it was already 8.30. For some reason, Dan's phone didn't charge and had died overnight, which caused our main alarm to not go off. And while this isn't necessarily the glitch, we checked the charger and the outlet. He unplugged the phone and plugged it back in, and it started charging. It was definitely weird, but it's not what the story is about. Because we woke up late, we decided to go ahead and just get breakfast since our plan was already messed up. 
We stopped at a local diner, and we had our food and enjoyed the late morning, and then headed out onto the highway at around 10.30 or so. This meant, if we drove directly, we would get to our hotel destination at 10 at the earliest. So, it wasn't too bad, but it was still way off schedule, which definitely upset Dan. I told him it was fine, and that losing a few hours was acceptable since we planned to take it slow today anyways. After a bit, we were on the road and back to a steady pace, so things were getting as close to back on track as they could. After about three hours on the highway, heading straight for our destination, Google Maps made a comment about there being heavy traffic ahead, or something about an accident. I can't remember, but it recommended an alternate route, and that would add about 20 minutes to our time. Again, Dan was upset, but we relented and took the route that it said that we should. Adding this extra half hour meant that we would get there at around 11 or so, and that we would be entering Utah somewhere close to 6pm. This is where the glitch actually happens. By this time, we had been on the road for three and a half hours, and we got on the road at 10.30am. This means that it was only around 2 in the afternoon. Only a few minutes after we get back onto the route, Google Maps chimes in again and does its little, Welcome to Utah. When it said this, I chuckled and said, See, we're making good time. Which was apparently the wrong thing to say, because my boyfriend pulled the car over and just stared at the phone blankly. I asked him what was going on, because it kind of freaked me out. He just slowly looked back over at me, and then back to the phone, and then once more at me with that look of pure shock. At first, for me, it didn't click, but he quickly explained why he was so confused. There was absolutely no way for us to already be hitting Utah. It's around seven hours to get from Ogallala to the Utah border on 70 West, which is the highway we had been taking. We left at 10.30 because we woke up late. We had to add half an hour because of the accident, which meant that it was going to be seven and a half hours after the time we left at the minimum which was going to be somewhere in the realm of 6pm or later. The time that it said we had entered Utah, and the time on the clock, was 2.18. Based on this time, we would have had to have been going at a ridiculous speed to get there, and we weren't. He was adamant that it was impossible, but he reloaded maps on his phone, made me load it up on my phone, and he checked the clock on every device that we owned. They all synced up. We were four and a half hours away from Bryce Canyon. It was 2.18pm. Somehow, without any logical explanation, we had managed to get ourselves pretty much back to the original schedule, despite waking up late and the delay on the road. I didn't have an explanation, but I was happy to chalk it up to some kind of miracle. He was not. He was in a weird state of panic, but after a while, we got back on the road and pressed on. We got to the hotel at around 6. We checked in, and he went straight to sleep for the night. Which was kind of a bummer, but I could tell this whole thing had messed with his head. Thankfully, it didn't affect him enough to ruin our trip or anything, but it was enough for that to be our last road trip for a while. Obviously, we've missed out on a few because of COVID, but we didn't go anywhere at the end of 2019 or beginning of 2020. Mostly because of him. As much as he won't admit it, I feel like this whole thing has actually given him a weird fear of driving long distances which is not something he had to deal with prior. 
I'm hopeful that I'll be able to get him to go on a trip this year, but I'm also not holding my breath. But anyways, that's my glitch, and it's one that I still don't have an answer for to this day. In the summer of 2017, around two hours after my grandfather passed away, me and my sister were in a horrific car accident. It was a bit past midnight. We were on our way to my grandpa's house. I was behind the wheel and driving moderately fast. I was supposed to make a U-turn, but the brakes failed, and we hit the guardrail. The front of the car was demolished, and both of us were badly injured. I believe that I lost consciousness for a few seconds, and when I woke up again... I looked at her and saw blood all over her face, and realized that she too had lost consciousness. She was slowly coming too, when I squeezed myself out the window and went to the other side to get her out of the car. Her door was stuck, just like mine, so I couldn't get her out. People started to gather around and called 911, The firefighters came and removed the door and finally got her out of the car. When the ambulance was taking us to the hospital, I was having the longest deja vu of my entire life. I knew which hospital we were going to, even though nobody had told me. I knew how the interior of the hospital looked, somewhere I've never been before, and I knew the name of the doctor who was supposed to stitch me up, and that was someone that I had never met before. It's weird, because as soon as me and my sister were alone and could talk to each other, she told me about how she feels like she's been there before, and was feeling deja vu the entire time. It might seem normal for people who suffered head trauma to experience these kind of things, and read too much into something that isn't actually there, but it's a lot more weird than it seems like at first glance. I believe that both of us died on that timeline, but for some reason our consciousness switched into a parallel version of ourselves in another universe, and the constant feeling of deja vu was because of our consciousness settling into the bodies of our alternate selves with the original consciousness still present, which then caused the feeling of experiencing everything twice. Now, here's something truly bizarre. There was this song called Zalem by Mosen Chavoshi, which our mom loved and listened to almost every day. Even when my mom didn't play it, my older brother would. It was kind of a signature song in our home back in 2005 to 2007 or 08. So, a few months after the crash, I was having a conversation with one of my co-eds about music, and she was without a doubt the number one fan of Mosen Chavoshi, to the point that we used to call her Chavoshist. She was talking about her favorite Chavoshi song, and I just remembered all those years of listening to Zalem. I said, yeah, he's a good singer. My mom loved Zalem. She used to play it on repeat until someone became sick of hearing it. She frowned and asked me about the song that I mentioned. She said that he doesn't have a song named Zalem. I thought maybe I got the name wrong, so I sang the chorus, and she shook her head and said that that's not a Chavoshi song. She named Farouk as the singer. I swore that the song I used to listen to was Chavoshi's. His voice is unmistakable, and there's no way that I would get that wrong. So, she asked me to send her the song. Obviously, I didn't have our old computer in which the song was stored, and I couldn't find our old Chavoshi mix CD. So, I googled it, and no matter how much I looked, I could not find it online. I even searched by the lyrics and only found the song Zalem by Farouk. I thought, 
Well, maybe it's the same song and I was wrong all along, so I downloaded it and I listened to it. But the song by Faroque could not be more different from what I remember. Sure, it has the same lyrics, but the melody and genre of it is completely different. So I asked my mom about it, and guess what? She's never heard of it, and neither has my brother who gave us the song in the first place. They have no recollection of that song, whether it be by Chavoshi or Farouk. On the other hand, my sister remembers it. I sang her the chorus, and she said it was Shivoshi's song. Somehow she and I have memories about a song which doesn't even exist in this world. I don't know why or even how it's possible, but I sincerely believe that we moved through the dimensions when we were both unconscious after the crash. I've heard stories that happened to other people which are similar to our experience. I don't want to get in too much on this one, but I think it has something to do with my grandpa's death. Maybe we were supposed to die that night, but his death caused an event which led us to move on to another universe, where we did not die. I might have experienced a glitch in Walmart the other day. I've been racking my brain since it happened, but I can't come up with a reasonable explanation for what happened to me that night. First, let me set the scene and scenario for some context. Earlier that night, I was at my job closing up shop with my manager and a coworker who was a newer friend of mine. It was a pretty slow night for business, so we were just talking and goofing off while we were closing because we wouldn't have to deal with any more customers that night. My shift went by relatively quickly because I enjoy spending time with my coworker, and no annoying customers were coming in to bother us. Soon enough, we were gathering our things and clocking out, getting ready to leave when my mom sent me a text asking me to pick up two pizzas because we were having guests over. Of course, I obliged. She would pay me back, and I got to pick the flavor of pizza that we would be eating. I drove down the road for about half a block, pulling into the lot of the Walmart superstore and parking. I remember smiling to myself because I had managed to snag a great spot close to the entrance so I wouldn't have to walk in the sub-zero temperatures of the northeast. I got out and ran into the store, locating the frozen pizzas right by the entrance. I took a mental note of what flavor I would pick up, and made my way diagonally from the front left side of the store to the back right, because I needed to pick up some cheap paints while I was there. On my walk over... Nothing seemed wrong or out of the ordinary. Everything was in perfect order. Arriving in the far right corner where the paint was located, a blue fluffy blanket with a majestic unicorn print caught my eye. The blanket was on a shelf with various other blankets with images of other wild animals. All of the blankets were wrapped up and held together with a thin cardboard package displaying the image of the blankets on the front. The reason why I walked over to these blankets in the first place was because I bought my mom a blanket from Walmart with the image of the Virgin Mary for Christmas as sort of a joke gift. I wanted to take a picture of this unicorn blanket to show her because I thought it was hilarious. I approached the shelf with the blankets and I faced towards them. I was standing about two feet away, just staring at this unicorn blanket. I was frozen in place, in a trance-like state, fixated on the blanket. I had zoned out, something I frequently do, when a flash of bright purple light snapped me out of my trance. 
the light was bright like a flash from a camera, and it lasted for about three seconds. I whipped around to see if someone had taken a picture of me, but there wasn't a single person in sight. I looked all around, even peeking around the shelves, but there wasn't anyone close enough to have taken a picture or ran and hid without me noticing. I looked up toward the ceiling to see if maybe it was one of the store cameras that flash as you pass by, but there wasn't any of those either. Plus, those make a loud dinging noise when they flash, so I would have heard it. I stepped back and forth trying to recreate what had happened, but I was unsuccessful in all of my attempts. I even walked away for around a minute and precisely recreated what I did, but that strange light did not appear again. I briskly walked back to the front of the store to get the pizza and leave. I couldn't shake the feeling that something was wrong. So today, I went back to the same Walmart to do the exact same thing. This time, a friend came along just in case the light appeared again, so I could prove to myself that it was just something in the store that had caused the light. But no results. I honestly cannot think of what could have possibly produced this light anomaly. This happened when my cousin and I were teenagers, probably around 15 and 16 respectively. Many members of my family were staying overnight at a hotel after the wedding of another family member. My cousin actually thinks it was for a different person's wedding, but that detail doesn't change the story. I was not one of the people staying the night at the hotel, but... I had some time to hang out and have fun with my cousin before my parents were coming to pick me up. We didn't have a lot to do, and we tended to be kind of mischievous when we hung out together. We never did anything crazy, just average dumb kid shenanigans. So, essentially, we decided to just walk slash run around different areas of the hotel, exploring, getting snacks, etc., my cousin remembers us knocking on the door to random rooms and running away. At one point, we noticed a middle-aged man in the same hall as us, who was wearing nondescript clothing and had on a tool belt. We tried to act natural as soon as we spotted him, but I'm sure we weren't very convincing. From this point, every time we turned around a corner and checked behind us, this man would be following us. He never yelled at us or said anything, and he never moved at a pace faster than an average walking speed, but it was extremely clear that he was following wherever we tried to go. It freaked us out a lot because we obviously didn't want to get in trouble, plus the dude had a weird energy with his silent, casual walk. We were panicking pretty hard after a few minutes of this, so our plan was to get in the elevator and quickly choose a random floor a few levels up, so that the guy wouldn't know where we went. When we got in the elevator, he was walking toward us from our left side, so when we were inside and turned around, he would have been coming from our right side, and he was maybe a hundred feet down the hallway. We go up at least three or four floors, turn left out of the elevator, and start fast walking in that direction. Within ten seconds of us getting off the elevator, the same guy rounds a corner a little way down the hall, and is now walking towards us. I distinctly remember saying, that's not possible, out loud to my cousin, as we were rushing back to the elevator. After that, we actually went to the front desk and told the lady working there that we were being followed, and when we described the guy, she told us that he worked there. We spent the rest of the time hidden in a little nook next to the lobby area, where we could stay blocked by a bookshelf. At one point, 
The tool belt guy did come into the lobby, and we saw him talk to the lady at the desk before leaving. I was 100% convinced at that time that I had just seen something completely unnatural and not humanly possible. Even if the guy could have gotten to the elevator to see which floor we'd gone to, there's absolutely no way I could think of that he could have gotten up to the same floor from either a staircase or a different elevator in time to be walking at us from the opposite direction than he was coming from before. No more than 10 to 15 seconds after we'd gotten out of the elevator. It's always stuck in my mind as something weird, but over the years, I started to write it off as an overactive imagination due to how scared I was in the moment. Then, I just saw my cousin when we hung out over New Year's, and she brought up the hotel and how the man had been following us through the halls. Once she mentioned it, I started to say that, at the time, I thought he had traveled an impossible distance in an impossible amount of time while following us, and before I could even finish recounting the exact scenario, my cousin was nodding that she remembers it too. I'm still not sure what to make of the situation, but it's definitely the weirdest story that I have. Hi folks, I'm here to share with you something that just happened to me. I'm 19 years old and I have a girlfriend of the same age. She is an amazing person, and I can't put into words how much she helped me during 2021. When I'm with her, I feel like I'm the best version of myself, even if I'm not perfect. We've been helping each other out in a numerous situations since we started dating, and that's one of the reasons we are so close. That's in the fact that we've been friends for ages. Unfortunately, some stuff has been going on with her family. I won't go into detail because I respect her privacy. That said, she is definitely not at her best right now. She's already going through a lot and her relatives keep fighting over her attention, like kids. None of this has anything to do with me, but I'm here to support her as she did for me before. After Christmas, I decided to take her to a hotel so that we could de-stress and stay away from home for a little bit. We went to a place that is famous for having units in several cities here in Brazil. I booked a nice room, and we spent a great day together. However... Something weird happened with the elevator of that hotel. Twice. We got there at around 1400. I checked in, and I took the elevator to the top floor. Our room was 967, and the elevator dropped us off to the left of it. We got in, and everything was fine. And we talked about what was happening with her life, and things were getting progressively more fun as we were both starting to relax and enjoy the moment. At around 1900, after taking a shower, we decided to go out for pizza. There's a Domino's right next to the hotel, and she wanted to try it. As we were leaving, I noticed something odd. The elevator was on the opposite side as it was before. It was to the right of our door. We were both visibly confused. She was following me around and it seemed like we were lost, which is awkward considering that the whole floor is just a straight line. Once we found the elevator, we both assumed that it was just all a big mess, which is pretty normal for my life. So, fine. And we got the pizza, had a great night, and an even better morning. As we were getting ready to go home, packing our things and all that, her mom called her. Once again, I'm not going to get into any details. I will say that her mom was an extremely unpleasant person on the phone, and that made her feel uncomfortable, especially because I was there. And that was it. She now wanted to go home and fast. 
I noticed that, and we left about five minutes later, around 10.50am. However, that damn elevator was to the left side of our door. I couldn't believe it, and my girlfriend was visibly lost as well. That said, she had bigger things to worry about and simply didn't care. Once I tried to point out the oddity to her, she said that I was the one confusing her mind, and that the elevator was always to the left. I just said, okay then, and we left the hotel. Overall, it was an amazing night. The room was great, and I felt unbelievably comfortable during my time there. Me and my girlfriend also spent the New Year's Eve together, and things are getting better, I believe. However, this elevator thing is still on my mind. It didn't scare me. It just made me curious. I literally just posted here, but writing out my story and reading all of your posts really has me reflecting on my glitchy experiences. When I was in college, I was a banquet worker at a hotel. One night, we were hosting a wedding and ran out of trash bags. We couldn't find any anywhere, so my boss asked me if I could track down a room service cart and grab anything that I could find even if it was small. At this point, it was almost 1am, the wedding was winding down and the hotel was quiet. I didn't have access to the room, service, closet, slash laundry, as a banquet server, so I was literally just going floor to floor hoping someone had left their cart out. Finally, on the sixth floor, I saw a cart at the end of the hallway. I could hear a baby crying, and I saw one of our hotel-provided bassinets in the hall next to a closed-room door. I had to pass the bassinet to get to the cart. It was empty, as it should have been. As I got closer, the crying became louder. It made absolute sense to me. It gave me a nicky feeling in my stomach, but I thought nothing of it. The baby must be in the room crying and the parents parked the bassinet outside because they decided not to use it, right? I raided the cart for the roll of bags and noticed that the cart belonged to my friend Juana. She had an Aerosmith sticker on her cart, so I knew it was hers. The next day, I saw her at work and mentioned that I had stolen her bags and apologized because she had probably had to hunt some down at the beginning of her shift. I then jokingly thanked her for leaving it next to the bassinet-slash-baby room, and joked about how unsettling it felt to be in an empty hotel corridor next to an empty bassinet while listening to a crying baby in the wee hours of the morning. She was like, that's weird. I cleaned a room on that floor at the very beginning of my shift. I took the bassinet back down to the rollaway storage room first thing yesterday morning, the family checked out before you even got on. We discussed how unusual it was to have more than one family with a baby request a bassinet so close together. Especially on the same floor, we rarely had to dig out the bassinets. As I was leaving and clocking out in the laundry room, Juana stopped me to tell me the bassinet should not have been there, and that no other families had requested one we have a checkout sheet for bassinets and rollaway beds, so that if we need one and we can't find one, we know where they were the last time they were used. Sure enough, Juana's room was the last one to have a bassinet. The sheet showed another coworker checking it out for the family when they arrived, and Juana checking it back into the rollaway room over 12 hours before I saw it in the hallway. I guess technically she could have forged her check-in signature, but there's really no reason for her to have done that, and she clearly recalled returning it to the closet. Regardless of whether or not the bassinet should have been there, the crying baby definitely shouldn't have been. The family had checked out earlier, and had been long gone before I went hunting for a cart.'
This happened while I was in high school. I was driving my mom's car with my best friend in the passenger seat. On the drive home, there's this hill that my friend and I refer to as the hill at the end of the world. We live in a suburban but woodsy area. This particular hill isn't very big, but the incline of it and the way it curves a bit just at the top makes it to where you can't see the other side really at all until the very last moment when you've driven over the top. Until that moment, it almost feels like you're going to just drive into the sky. Also, at the bottom of one side, there's a cute little cemetery, for whatever that's worth. On either side of the road, there's just light woods and some spaced-out little ranch-style houses in the distance. No sidewalk and no shoulder. There are cars driving in front of me and in back of me as well, and also coming from the opposite direction. We were driving in the direction of the cemetery. I see the car in front of me crest the hill and disappear below my line of sight. Then, I crest the top of the hill, and just right there in front of me on the other side is a man standing calmly in the middle of my path, looking out into the woods. I had seen him so last minute that I didn't have time to react at all, no time to break or even try to turn the wheel. We drove right through him, but then there was nothing. No sounds, no bumps, nothing in my rearview mirror, no evidence of anything being there at all. Traffic didn't stop, the cars in back of me drove as normal. I was so confused. I just stared forward, trying to process. My friend turns to me and goes, Did you just see that? I turned to her and said, Did you just see it too? We pulled over, cars still passing, and walked back to look. There was nothing. No marks or damage on the car. Nothing abnormal on or around the road. Just nothing. We tried to make sense of it. How could someone have gotten there in the space between me and the car ahead of me? Where would they have come from? They would have had to have sprinted out of the woods, and the man that we saw was standing calmly, almost daydreaming. So, what the hell happened? Sorry this is kind of long. I'm not sure where to post this, but I thought I would give this sub a try. So, a little background. I'm a project supervisor with a company as a third-party contractor, so when I go to different manufacturing plants, I carry my backpack with everything I need, including a small portable printer and a laptop. This has happened twice now. The first time I just brushed it off, and it just happened again. The first time, as usual, I packed my backpack in the morning, and I get to the site and get my equipment out. And I'm missing the cord that connects my laptop to the printer. I distinctly remember coiling it up and putting it in the pocket in the back of the main pouch that sits behind my laptop. And it's nowhere to be found. I didn't go anywhere besides home and to work that morning, and I only keep my equipment in one spot in our house. After searching all over at home and where my backpack was at work, I can't find it. Okay, whatever. I go home and order a new cord online. Then, it happened again two days ago. It's been a couple of months since it first happened, and the same events happened this time. Roll up the cord, place it in the same pocket, get to work, and no cord. Only this time, both the printer charging cord and the connecting cord are missing. I had rolled them up together. I look all over the place my bag is at work, just in case it fell out, and look all over where I put my bag when I got home. No cords anywhere. 
There are no holes in my backpack, and I've taken everything out of my bag and searched, and no luck. My bag has only been from home to work and back. I'm completely clueless. I don't know if this is some kind of glitch or just bad luck, but they seem to have just disappeared out of thin air. Nothing else has come up missing, and both times the bag hasn't been out of my sight. And I have a routine for my equipment, so nothing is out of the ordinary. I feel like this time I'm just going crazy. <laughs> I even had a coworker look as well. Has anyone else had something like this happen? I, I guess I'll order more cords, but this is just weird to me. that was this week's collection of Glitch in the Matrix stories on the As the Raven Dreams podcast. I hope you enjoyed this collection of glitchy goodness. If you did and would like to listen to more of this, you can always check out the other episodes of the podcast or support the channel further by actually going to my YouTube channel and checking out my videos. Just go to YouTube and search As the Raven Dreams. You can also go to AsTheRavenDreams.com for lots of other good stuff ways to get early access, read stories that I've written, submit your own story, and things like that. All that said, friends, thank you very much for listening. I do hope to see you in two weeks on the next Glitch in the Matrix episode, but until then, sleep well.